0: first Timothy chapter one this morning. I'm going to have to preach fast. You're going to have to listen faster. <coughs> Amen. First Timothy chapter one this morning. I want to kind of back up a little bit and um, dive in here to we'll preach a little bit different message today than I maybe normally would. We took in in first Timothy chapter one and verse number one, we talked about how that he first of all said that Jesus Christ is our hope. And he established that. And I want to preach a message today specifically to people that are sent to serve. And I don't just mean preachers or missionaries, but just every Christian is sent to serve somehow or another. And uh, I want to preach a message from the, uh, the idea about what it means, uh, what it encompasses to serve the shepherd. But one of the first things he put in into in Timothy was that you have to have hope. You can't serve God without living on biblical hope. Because so much of what you experience and go through, you can't see. You can't see him. You can't see why a lot of things. You don't understand a lot of things, and you live on hope. Just knowing that God will write the last chapters, and it'll be all right. And he will do what he said he would do. And then he took off in verse number two, and he talked about grace, mercy, and peace in that exact order. How that God gives us grace. He's going to give us grace to salvation and mercy. He's going to give us grace to serve him. And if you're going to serve God, especially if God's called you to preach into the ministry, he's going to give you grace to do that. He's going to give you grace. You've got to believe that. And uh, and of course, that's how we have peace. Verse number three, he tells him to stay someplace, to abide there. And uh, there's a lot in just sticking it out a lot, in just finishing things out and, and being steady in the Lord. As I've told you different times, one of my favorite statements is just be steady in the storm. But it's a blessed storm that'll drive us to our knees. Get into verse number four. He begins to tell him how to deal with problems and situations. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogy. And we talked about the fables of all the cults and so forth and false doctrines. Then verse number five, he really gets into the depth of Christianity that the end of the commandment is charity out of three things, a pure heart, a good conscience and faith unfeigned. And we preached on that last week. And we talked about last Sunday night how some having swerved away from that, how they get into vain jangling. The preaching and the teaching and the worship and the serving gets to where it doesn't amount to anything. And they desire to be teachers of the law and they don't even understand what they're saying or where they affirm. They don't know where their authority is. They've gotten away from the word of God. And we talked about the... Bible correctors and Bible critics and Bible corruptors and all the different versions issue. And then verse number eight, we, he said, but we know the law is good if a man uses it lawfully. And we talked about how that uh, people can use the word of God and use the law even unlawfully. And we talked about how that in America, the, the law now is an unlawful law to kill babies and same sex marriage and all those things. We talked about that. And then he goes into a detailed list of all these different uh, things that the, the law is made for. And then he finishes up in verse number 10, the last thing he says, and if there be any other thing that's contrary to sound doctrine. You know, I, don't, I never did put a list in my house and told the kids, those are the things you can't do. Anything outside that you can do. You know what God expects you to read the word of God? God expects you to walk with him, to know the Bible, and to have a sense of what's right and wrong. God doesn't have to make us a list. We just listen to the Holy Spirit, pay attention to God, have a heart to want to walk with God. He'll show you where not to be and what not to be messing around with. And then he comes to this verse number 12, and this is where I want to take in today. This is very sacred ground to me. He said in verse number 11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, and I preached last Sunday night, what a trust thing it is to be have the gospel committed to your trust, and how that God commits our marriages and our families to us, and the church and the ministry and, uh, and so forth. And there's things that God commits to our trust. And we ask ourselves this question, am I trustworthy? Can God trust me with something? Verse number 12 is an amazing verse. I want to kind of just lift this up a little bit to those of you who may be called to preach. Maybe God's going to call you and you haven't been called yet. Maybe he's called you and nobody knows it but you this morning. I hope you'll listen to this message and I hope you'll let God really talk to your heart. Paul said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord. Underline this in your Bible. Who hath enabled me? A lot of you think I'm just a mouth, and I know I talk too much, and I go on too silly sometimes, but the honest truth about it was that before, God God prepared me for the ministry in a strange way. Most of you do not know that when I was 17, 16, 15, 18 years of age, for me to get up behind this pulpit would have been, i just about rather took a beating than do it. I, I... I, it wasn't that I didn't talk and wasn't friendly to people, but to get up in front of the people and to think even about preaching was just—it was just uh, that was an unimaginable thought to me. And and I wasn't as near as outgoing as you might think I am now. And I was like a lot of young teenage boys that sit in this church—you don't say a whole lot. It's just not something you'd be looking forward to do, getting up and trying to come up with a message to, to preach to people. And I was that way. The first message I ever preached, I couldn't hardly look up from the pulpit. It was on the first Sunday after January twenty-fourth, eighty-two. It was a snow, snow was about eight inches deep and there was my family, most of my family there in Oscar and Gladys and that was it. I got up to preach. I actually preached on verse uh, number six of this first chapter. I preached about five minutes and I couldn't help, couldn't stop crying. I I just hung my head down and I finally just shut up and went and sat down. But I found out Something. Now, the one thing I can say is that whatever I've tried to do in life, i try tried to put my whole heart into it. Right. Whether that was deer hunting or basketball, whatever I was going to do, I was going to file out early. Amen. I mean, I was going to get at it. But uh, I want you to get this statement. Paul said, first of all, I want you to get this. Paul thanked God for putting me in the ministry. And I want to thank God for putting me in the ministry. Amen. That's a sacred trust, a blessing. Uh, the night I surrendered preached, God revealed to me some things that night. And I don't know how much I'll get into that. But he made me to know some things. And it really, really scared me. And it really troubled me. And for many years, it didn't look like it was going to be that way. But it did turn out that way and still has. So the first thing I would encourage you men that God's called to preach is to thank him for it. Because I'm going to tell you something. I don't know where I'd be. I don't know where, I don't know where anything would be. But I look over at that man that just stood up here and talked about how this ministry is reaching in a city of one million people up there. And I thank God that he's put me in the ministry, that this church can reach out to people like that. But I want you to get this statement. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me. I want to tell you something flat-footed and honestly. If God calls you to preach, he will enable you to preach. You may, not, you may think, man, I can't do that. I couldn't do that. Lord, I could never do that. I couldn't do that. Lord, I, I, I don't want to be around that type of thing. But God will enable you. This country needs to be filled with Bible preachers. Brother Kime is gone this morning. They would normally be sitting where you folks are. You're, you're sitting in the wrong side of church, Brother, brother they would normally be sitting over there. He's out preaching this morning, pray for him. He asked me, he said, Reggie, I don't know what God wants me to do. I hate to see families go. He told me, he said the other night, he told me stood outside by my truck. He said, Reggie, I love going to church here. You don't just like leaving your fellowship and leaving all the families and people and going somewhere where you don't know what you're going to run into. But I will tell you this, God will enable you. But he'll put you on your face. He won't just put you on your knees. He'll put you on your face. Because God gives grace to the humble and he gives grace to the lowly. I'm fighting back right now. Some things I'd like to say, maybe I'll be able to say them a little later on. And I don't get the rest of this verse. For it says For that he counted me faithful. And I read that and I say, God, you couldn't. You couldn't possibly have counted me faithful because I haven't been faithful. But yet he's been faithful through me. I've fallen more times than I know how to count. I have done things and acted ways and done, been ways that uh, I you, you know, wouldn't have thought. But he's just continuously been faithful through me. It's his faithfulness in us. Amen. I don't claim to understand that statement totally, but somehow or another, God knows what's inside you. But I will tell you this. I'm going to get personal. There's been a lot of Sundays. I got in my truck or we got in our car to come to church and I didn't want to walk into this church house. I was so hurting. I was so messed up maybe personally. I was so out of shape with God myself. I said, how can I get behind that pulpit and do anything for those people? God, I don't need to be behind that pulpit, but I had a job to do. There's been times in my life when things have happened that hurt bad. I'm talking bad hurt. That wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been in the ministry. Lost friends and lost family members. You say, if this is what the ministry is about, I don't know if I want to be in it or not. And he just keeps being faithful. And I found something out. That if I will just get into his word and say, God, I'll be obedient, and, but you're going to have to do something. I just, I'm, I'm saying this for people that may be in the ministry. Okay, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to do what God gave me to preach this morning. I don't know how well this is going to go, but it's not going too good so far as far as getting somewhere. But what I want to tell you is, is that he, he, will, he will enable you. He will be faithful through you. And here's an amazing statement, putting me into the ministry. I will tell you, I didn't plan on spending my life pastoring the church that night when I walked into church. That's the last thing I was figuring on. But the spirit of God, now God had called me and I knew that, but I'd fought it off. But I, I'm telling you, uh, God put me in the ministry. That's all I'm going to tell you. Now, verse 13. Now, there's some deep things here Paul's going to say that we need to know that encompasses the ministry. Paul starts out there. He said, God committed this to my trust. He said, I thank him for it. He's enabled me. He's counted me faithful. He put me in the ministry. And then he says this, and this is what preachers constantly need to remember. Who was before? We need to remember who we were before. I don't know Justin that well. It's actually the first time we've ever met personally. But he would call. You call me a few times. Is that right or just text me? I forget. We called. Yeah, we was on the phone together, but... And anyway, I, this guy's texting. He's telling me about how this message affected him and how this thing. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm listening to him because I get a lot of contacts with people. But there was something the way he came across, and it, wasn't, it came across honestly to me. He it wasn't, wasn't soft-soaping me, and he wasn't trying to, you know. And I kept, kept listening, and, and, and then even here a while back, quite a while back, maybe three or four months, she texted text me, and, and uh, there's just something in my heart just said, just like the Spirit of God said, I want you to have that boy come down here. And I want you to give him a chance to preach and I want you to be encouragement to this guy. And he got up here a while ago and I'm going to tell you you something. If you want to be used of God as a preacher, always remember what you were before. And he got up here and he told you what he was before. You don't have to go into the details of the rottenness. But you cannot be a proud, arrogant, religious, think you're perfect person to ever be used of God in the ministry. People have to know when they walk in church that you mess up too and you don't do everything right either and you're not sinless and I'm going to tell you as a testimony through almost 40 years now the greatest times I've seen that God ever used me when somebody come and say Reggie you'll never know what it meant for you to say how you failed or you apologized for this or you said I messed up here that gave me hope. I didn't think there was any hope for me, but for you to say, and listen, for all of us, if we're going to serve God, we cannot walk around arrogant and cocky and act like we're, we don't do things that everybody else does. And I don't care if you've been saved for 50 years. Yeah. Your flesh is just as rotten as it was the day God saved you. And I. God is nine to the humble. He's nine to those of a broken spirit. God resists the proud. And one of the greatest things that Paul is teaching young Timothy here going into ministry is don't be cocky and don't be self-righteous and don't act like you don't do anything and don't act like it was you and how you're, you're super talented and you're this and you're that. I really appreciate what he said about I'm the most unqualified person because that's what we really are. He said he was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and by the way he was. He held men and women down, had them arrested. He held the clothes of the people who stoned Stephen. And Paul is telling them, listen, a great savior can can save great sinners where sin abounded in Paul grace abounded. And this is the tone and this is the tenor of what a ministry needs to be. Yes, we need to preach against sin. Yes, we need to have biblical standards. Yes, we need to stand for what's right. But we have to do it. with They have to be able to see beyond and through that. They have to see some humility and some gratefulness for what God has done in our own heart and our own life. And our total dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ for the life that we have. And the life that we are. And he said, but I obtained mercy. Now I want you to circle that around the line there. Because he's going to say twice in this passage of scripture that he obtained mercy. Let me just tell you something. It's all mercy. Amen. Amen. That's why a lot of people don't really like Christianity. It's not because they don't like it. They know it's going to take mercy. They don't want to admit that they need mercy, that they're guilty and they cannot save themselves. And the only way they'll be saved is by mercy. The only prayer I know of in the Bible where somebody makes a prayer of salvation is God be merciful to me, a sinner. And you sure don't hear that being prayed very much these days. But he said, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. Well, Paul's way ahead of me because I did some of my full knowledge of what I was doing. Verse number 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the key. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was exceeding abundant. And it was abundant with two things, faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. If God calls you to the ministry or calls you to serve in any manner, He's going to give you grace to do that. And that faith is going to, that grace is going to have inbuilt into it, faith and love in Christ Jesus. Because you cannot minister to people without faith and you cannot minister to people without love. Now, then he said, verse 15, verse 15 is a mountain peak verse in your Bible. I mean, it reaches up high. It's one of the major gospel verses in the entire word of God. First 1 Timothy 1:15. 1, this is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. I want to give you two or three things here, and I don't know how this message is going to go. But one thing Paul doesn't do, he doesn't stop without saying, I am chief. Now, first of all, he said, I am, not I was. <laughs> Amen. 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 Paul's writing, God, Paul's being used of the Holy Spirit to write the Bible. And he says, I am chief of sinners. How many in here would like for everybody in the church to know really how bad you've sinned this week? Does anybody here say, oh, I just love to have everything put on the front slide up here? Here's, men again, here's one of the great keys in serving the Lord. I am chief. He didn't set himself up on a pedestal like he didn't do these things he wasn't that bad a person. He said, I'm chief. If you can feel in in your heart that you're chief of sinners, God might be able to use you. But if you think you're a good person and you've really got it all together, I doubtful God can use you. If you want to, I'll give you a sermon outline. There's a savior, Christ Jesus. There's sinners and there's salvation. You got those three things. You can preach the gospel. Amen. Christ Jesus came to what? Save sinners. Now I'm going to go preach on that. It's awful good preaching. And then he said, verse 16, how be it for this cause? There it is, that phrase. What do you do? I obtain mercy. That in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. Well, God's going to have to be long suffering with you. I'm glad he's been long suffering with me. For a pattern (laughs) to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. God said, Paul said, my life is a pattern of how good God is, how much grace God has given. Uh, His faith, his love and his long suffering, it's a pattern. And so God wants us to look at his life and say, you know, if if, if Paul can be saved and Paul can be used of God, I can be used of God. And then he goes in this great deal. I don't want, I'd i love to preach on this, but we're not going to this morning. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. It's like Paul had to stop and say, bless God Almighty. Amen. He got happy in the Lord. Amen. Somebody's fixing ready to go to sleep. I didn't want to wake you up. <laughs> then he said, verse 18, and kind of want to preach off this day. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. <laughs> there ain't very many preachers delivering nobody the devil these days. Now, folks, it's 1152. I haven't even started my message. Boy, I tell you, it's time like this when it's it's hard to know what to do. I've got a message, and I'll be honest with you, it's a good one. But I, I'm going to hold it. And um, I'm going to preach it next Sunday, Lord willing. And uh, I'm going to ask you to come back tonight. I'm going to ask you to listen to Brother Jess night preach I could force my way on through and you people are kind enough you'd endure it to the end I'm sure but uh, here's what I want to say in, in, in closing out just what I've done here today is that if you think at all that God may have called you to some type of serving him get in this first chapter of Timothy and get the heart of the Holy Spirit and what it means to serve God I want to say this to you. I do not know of a church that may be out there. I just don't know about where there's a greater percentage of people in the church that serve God in various capacities as is in this church. There's no way that what happens and goes on at this church could happen without multiple people, lots of people serving God in various, various ways. And I want to thank you people for that heart that you have to serve him. I do nothing at this church but preach. Everybody else does everything else. And it was just, God just sends people in here to serve him. Brother Justin, if you heard my message on sermonaudio.com, it's because of these people sitting over here. Come up to me one day and said, Reggie, there's a deal called sermonaudio.com for $50 a month, I think it was, or something like that. $40 a month. We can put our messages on there free and go and Man, I just kind of looked at her and said, I guess so. If you think it's OK, do it. She started doing it. She goes back in that crow's nest and puts them on someone and never dreamed. The first thing I knew, we had eight, nine thousand people a month listening to the messages online. You and, you know, I'm just saying people that serve. And it's not about me. It's about us and it's about him. Yes. And I just want to encourage this church. Now, I'm going to say this to the, to the boys and young men. Now, now, listen, girls, God may call you to be a pastor's wife, but he ain't never going to call you to be a pastor. Some of you go, bless God Almighty, amen. <laughs> but he may call you to be a pastor's wife. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to need a lot of Grace. I walked up beside Karen this week, and I looked her in the eye, and I said, "Karen, I want you to know I love you." And I don't see how you've endured what you've endured. I'm not feeling I'm not feeling sorry for you. And I'm, like, I'm just saying yeah. that in the ministry, you will get hit with things you never dreamed. You never dreamed. And the cost is going to be more than you ever dreamed. Salvation's free. The serving Him is going to cost you. And that's what I was talking about earlier when I knelt that night. God literally told me I was going to lose a lot of my family before I was done. And I shook it off. But I'm there. And it hurts. I could have backed off my preaching I could have backed away from my stand on some things particularly education and dress those are the two issues but let me just tell you something that both you men that may be called to preach and those ladies who may be pastors wives you're going to have to love God more than you love each other you, you never make it you're going to have to love God more than you love your children more than you love your parents More than anybody in this world. Jesus said that, except he said it stronger. And I just want you to think about the cost. Because it's going to cost you. I'll tell you something further: it's going to cost you. It's going to cost your children something. Your children grow up in a home where they see a lot of spiritual warfare and they see a lot of rough stuff and they wonder is this Christianity when families separate and when friends separate and when there's turmoil and when there's trouble and it's not fun and I just want to say to you men that may be called to preach you better get off out there somewhere tell somebody you're going deer hunting do something. But you better get off out there somewhere and get along with God. And you better have a real long talk with him and you better really have a long talk with yourself and ask yourself, are you ready? And I think Paul was doing his best to get Timothy ready. When Paul signed off in chapter 4 of Second Timothy he said all men have forsaken me only Luke is with me and uh, I'm going to say this to you but I wouldn't trade it for nothing in the world Amen. and I'm glad I'm glad that God called me and I'm glad that he's enabled me and that he's been faithful I'm glad that I can look back now and say that I spent my life as sorry as I've been doing something that he said would never be in vain. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I know this has kind of been specific toward men who may be called to the ministry. But I won't tell you right now. We're not going to let somebody going to save this nation. We're not. It's going to, if this nation is spared, it's going to be through godly people and preachers crying and winning people to Christ. I'm going to be honest with you this morning. He and I talking. Justin, did you make sure I got you right? They're building mosques everywhere. They're right. In some parts of that country, they're building three mosques to every church. He went up to Times Square in New York City, and on every street corner, for how many blocks? Six or seven seven blocks. The black Israelite, what do you call it? Hebrew Hebrew Israelite. They're they're a cult out of hell. He said, Reggie, they're standing on every corner with their literature, contacting a million people. I am telling you something. We need preachers and we're needing them bad. Your Bible says through the foolishness of preaching, men will be saved and it saves people that change that are changed how they live. And I won't lie to you. Somehow, or another God has burdened my heart. We all, as you said yesterday, live in a bubble. But I can't imagine living in a city with fifteen or over a million people. There's two hundred fifty thousand Muslims, then you say in that in that city in that area. Philadelphia 250,000 Muslim people who need the gospel who's going to give it to them I took him out this morning riding and you know what anybody knows me knows I just love the country but he's up there in the city somebody's going to have to reach it people and I admire a man he told me he said I'd like to move out the country too that ain't where God's got me. I'll make you this promise. You go up here and do what God's called you to do. You can always come down here and spend two or three days in the country. Okay? Here's what I'm telling you. I'm going to give you my heart now. I'm not God, so don't pay a whole... You limit my influence on you. But I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart God wants to send men out of this church. And I'll miss you. I believe God wants to send people out of this church to start churches. And you may not have over five people. You may not have over ten. And you may have to go for ten years and not have very many people show up. God has called you to be successful quote in the eyes of religious people, but he has called you to be faithful. And I don't know who the faithful man was that reached him, but I can tell you he's got a vision now to reach a lot of people. He and your pastor's a white guy, right? How's that working? (laughs) He's your best friend, you told me. He did. I'm just saying that there's more places in the world than Norwood, Missouri. I was in, Brother Ed and Terry and I and Karen went down. By the way, if you haven't went down to see the play at College of the Ozarks, Flight to Faith, about uh, John Clark, a prisoner of war in Vietnam for six years or seven years, and you haven't got to see that play, it would be very, very worth your time to go see that play you want to see a man get broken of God in prison 3,000 miles away from his family and then come home from his family after six or seven years in prison and his wife and family not meeting and lose his family after he got out. You think you're having a hard time? You think you're having a rough road a whole year? We don't know anything about it. But it'd be good for you to go see that play. And by the way, they've got a Nova Kelly, who's not related to me for as close, EY from Norwood. They've got a complete dedicated deal about him. he was you know, killed in war. He, he got, they've got a dedicated deal on him there from Norwood here in the, in the deal. Be worth your time to go. But we were coming up from Branson. And the traffic's just unbelievable. And I'm thinking, Lord, get me off Highway 65. Lord get me off Highway 65. And then they got up here and there's a wreck, and my tra- traffic backed up for miles. And we finally got out of there. And it hit me, Sister April, that this is just Ozark, Missouri, Springfield, Missouri. Jesus went to the cities. I don't want to go to a city. But he went to the cities and then I thought Lord, I don't want to spend the rest of my life at a stoplight. (laughs) But I'm just going to tell you this. If we don't go, who will go? But if this church could reach out and touch enough men's lives out there somewhere, men that we don't even know, and God call and God sin. Philadelphia needs about a thousand of you couples, right? They need about a thousand of you. You know what he told me? He said, Reggie, had it not been for police presence, those Hebrew Israelites would have killed me up there on, that, on, the, on the sidewalk. I'll tell you who they are. How many members the boy the, from the Catholic school that was at Washington, D.C. a couple, three years ago? And uh, and they accused him of berating and being a racist toward this Indian guy. Well, the guys that got all that instigated with these black these Hebrew Israelites. If you look behind the story and they're vicious and they're violent. And he told me, he said, they'll get, they'll get right in your face. He said, they let you know right now, It wasn't for cops around, they kill you because he tried to witness to him, tried to talk to him about the Lord. They hate Christianity. Um, I'll just tell you what I was going to preach on, and I'm going to let you out. I was going to preach on the subject, am I a soldier at the cross? I want you to take your songbooks. to page. Oh, goodness. Lord, what page is it? Five something. Five seventy four. I want the pianist to come. And this is what we're going to do. I'm going to be Henry. Now I don't know. I'm not sitting here telling you got to go to Philadelphia. I'm not telling you got to go to Chicago. I'm not telling you got to go anywhere. But here's the question I'm going to ask you. If God called you to serve him, would you? I ain't saying he has called you. I'm asking you the question. If he called you, would you? This song, I was reading this song this week. I want everybody to look at it. Page 574. And Joel, you can begin just to lightly play that if you'd like. In the play down there at School of the Ozarks, the, v- the Vietnamese had a guard they called Sloughfoot that was vicious and very, very mean to the prisoners. He drug his foot, that's why they called him Sloughfoot. He would beat our our men. With the butt of the rifle. He'd hit him in the guts and then as they bent over, he'd hit him on the back of the head. And this went on day after day when he was first captured. Later on when they was able to put out and boy, if you want to see something astounding, they, they show you upon the wall how they how they developed their tap code to communicate. It astounds me what they did, them prisoners. How they learned how to communicate with each other by tapping. Later on, they were able to get together, and once they began to get together, some years into it, the first thing they did was have church service. That was the most important thing to all those POWs was to have church, and they had church on Sunday. Now, they're among, of course, these Vietnamese, communist or Buddhist, whatever, and they they would uh, recite scripture and pray and they would sing. And one Sunday morning they were all lined up and they began to sing Onward Christian Soldiers marching as to war in their prison garb and they sent Sleufa in there to shut that down and he told them stop singing stop singing that and they just kept singing and he hit the first one in the gut with his rifle butt, knocked him to the ground. He comes to the second one, stop singing. They wouldn't stop singing. He hit him with his rifle butt, knock him to the ground and just kept knocking till he knocked one of them down to the ground, beat them down to the ground for singing onward, Christian soldiers. And when he started to leave the prison cell, one of them crawled up on his knees and got himself, stood back up and started singing, kept singing. No guard turned around, looked at him. Stop it! Another prisoner got up off the ground and joined him singing until they all got back up off the ground and kept singing, Onward Christian Soldiers. And did you know that the man that was over that prison guard come and got him and said, You leave him alone. And God protected them. And literally the presence of God drove those Vietnamese people out of that room. And they all were standing there singing, Onward Christian Soldiers. And they couldn't fight against it. And I sat there and I thought to myself, Brother Bill, I'm in my little comfortable world at Norwood, Missouri. I've got a congregation of people that will get in behind me when I'm preaching on stuff that's hard. But have you ever went on the street it's down to some area where there's a bunch of sodomites and started preaching on sodomy being an abomination to God and see what they'll do to you? Have you ever went to a black Muslim Mary or a white Muslim area and start preaching Jesus Christ as king of kings and all is a liar and all is a phony and see what happened to you? But I want to tell you this. Jesus still died for them. And I was thinking about this song. It was amazing because I'd been reading this song and thinking on this thought before we went down and I guarantee you God had me go watch that play. And I come back. Am I a soldier of the cross? That's a good question to ask myself a follower of the lamb. And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Am I ashamed of Jesus? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood Is this vile world a friend of grace to help me on to God? And it's not. And then he finishes it out saying this. Sure, I must fight if I would reign, not to be saved, but to reign with him. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. I want you to stand together today and I just want you to do this. As we sing today, I want you to say, Lord, I don't know if you'd ever call me to do anything. And it might be just help stuffing CDs and it might be helping here, helping there around the church. But Lord, I tell you what, I'll do what you ask me to do. If Lord deals with me, at least I've got a willing spirit. Lord, I'll do what you ask me to do. You come and do business with God. Maybe you're here today. Listen to me. Maybe you're here today and God's called you men, to somebody, some man to preach. And it's been hard for you. And it's been difficult. And you know it's going to mean a change for your life and a whole change of directions. But I want to tell you something. I still like Paul, Danny. I thank God. And Danny, I'm thankful you surrendered. I want to thank you, brother. You've been a great encouragement to me down through the years. I could always look over and know that Danny was still in the fight. You come let God deal with your heart today. And uh, do business with the Lord. If you're here today and not saved, I'll tell you, or you're listening online and you're not saved. I beg you in Jesus' name, you'll never waste your life. I'll tell you the best thing ever happened to you to get saved. Call on the Lord today. Here we go. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? Must I be carried to the skies on fly? Would you come? Lord, if you call me, out, I'll obey you. Lord, what you tell me to do with my life, I'll do it. He may not, it may not be to go to Philadelphia or Chicago or New York. It may be just over the field and over the side. But if God calls you, would you say, Lord... I'm ready to sacrifice my life. I want to give my life as a living sacrifice. Would you come and say, Lord, here am I, send me. We need some fighters. We need some soldiers. We need some people who go to warfare for the cause of Christ. Christ. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, I don't know, Lord, it seemed like it'd been a strange service in a way, but a blessed service otherwise too. Lord, I'm not trying to emotionalize this thing, but it is an emotional thing. I believe Paul was writing out of his heart to a young preacher. That Timothy, you can thank God for the call on your life. Timothy, God will enable you. Timothy, it's a sacred thing to be committed to the trust of the gospel. Timothy God will be faithful through you Timothy Timothy he'll put you in and what God puts in he'll finish Timothy you can trust God with giving him your life Timothy you won't waste your time serving God Timothy he's the king he's eternal he's immortal he's invisible he's the only wise God Timothy, I'm going to charge you. War, good warfare. Don't grow weary. Don't turn your back. Don't go awol. War, good warfare. Finish the fight. Finish the course. Timothy, our Savior finished on the cross. He cried, "It is finished." Timothy, Jesus didn't quit till He paid the price for our sin. He didn't quit till He had made the provision for our free salvation. And Timothy, I have no mind to quit. And Timothy, don't you quit? Timothy, count the cost. Know what it's going to cost you. Father in heaven. We thank you for your word. And I really need it now. Lord, my soul is hurting. My heart is hurting. Lord, in the darkest of the night, sometimes I wonder, have I been right? Should have I stood where I've stood? Should I've given in? Should I've caved? God, all I can hear back from heaven is stand. Amen. And having done all, stand. Amen. Having your loins girt about with truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. God, I pray for the men in this church Lord, whom you may call or have called to the ministry, I pray that you'll give them guidance and direction. I pray, Lord, that their time spent at this church will be profitable to them. A time, Lord, of establishment, settling, rooted, and grounded. I pray, God, that I'd not be a bad example to them, and I pray, Lord, somehow or another, I'd be some kind of a, a post or something, God, they could look to to go on down the road with. I pray, Lord, they could look at this church and have a dream have a vision, Lord, of what maybe you would do with their lives. I pray for their wives. I pray, God, that you'd give them a supernatural visitation from heaven to let them know, God, that it'll be worth it all. I pray, God, that you will call and you will send out of this church mighty men of God, humble men, honest men, men who aren't sinless, but men whose hearts desire to live for you, men whose personalities may be like mine, coarse and crude and rough, and, and Lord, not maybe what it, the best it could be, but men who love souls, men who love the Savior, men who love truth, men who are willing to give up the things that they might could have had or could have done to serve you. And to serve other people. Help them know God. It'd be alright. Been lots of men before them ever came along. Could testify. Even through tears. That they're glad. Lord I'm asking you today. Just plain and simple. To raise up preachers not just here. But across America. Lord I pray this morning for brother Justin. And his wife Courtney. I pray Lord as they're. They've started up this new church up there down in that area of town. They're reaching people, trying to get out and reach people. God, I pray you help them. I pray you fill them with your spirit. pray that you encourage their hearts. Help his pastor and his wife, Lord, and family. And Lord, use them for your glory's sake and multiply that, God, a thousand times across this country, 10,000 times across this country. For, Lord, we need your help. Lord God, we're glad that we found grace in Your eyes. But why have we found grace in thine eyes, well, Lord? It could be this morning so we could tell somebody else. And help us not to be a derelict to our duty, and help us to be a good soldier of the cross. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. They-